Welcome to Authentic AF with Aaron, powerful conversations for aspiring leaders. I always strive to bring on guests that will push the limits of what you think is possible for you in your leadership. The goal is to create a shifted and transformed perspective on what it takes to truly lead and inspire. If you think you have what it takes to be Authentic AF, then come join the Facebook group, Authentic AF with Aaron. Thank you for listening and enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Authentic AF with Erin. And today's guest, I'm so excited to have her here today. Her name is Amy Jo Goddard, and she has been teaching and speaking about feminism and sexuality for the past two decades. She includes um, a lot of fire and passion around the topics of owning your sexual power. She also hosts an amazing retreat that just uh, actually went down a couple weeks ago called the Firewoman Retreat. Super, super empowering. Uh, She's the author of, uh, as well, of Woman on Fire, Nine Elements to Wake Up Your Erotic Energy, uh, Personal Power and Sexual Intelligence. And then she's the co-author of a best-selling title you might've heard of called Lesbian Sex Secrets for Men. Her forthcoming film, At Your Cervix, examines patient consent and bodily autonomy in gynecology and medical education. She is really, really passionate about causes and her aim with this film is to end unethical practices that harm both patients and medical students. As an advocate for adult sex education, she teaches women's sexual empowerment programs and also maintains a private coaching practice. And the reason that I wanted to have Amy Jo here actually has very little to do about sex. <laughs> Although we can talk about that a little bit later for sure. Amy Jo and I have the, the fortunate opportunity to be working together in some leadership um, capacities. And her dialogue lately around what's happening in our country with social justice, and civil rights and being a leader in a time of change has just blown my mind. And I really am excited to have you here today, Amy Jo. Welcome, first and foremost. Thank you, I'm so happy to be here. I would love to kick this off with just your viewpoint on, you know, the the heightened stress of having a supercharged uh, socioeconomic, political, all the issues, you know, coming up, everything that's been happening in our country the past couple of weeks on top of COVID-19, after George Floyd, you know, how as a leader of an organization would you see like honoring what's going on, but then also keeping your eyes on the fact that we still have like, you know, jobs to do and things to like, how can we as responsible leaders be responsible for what's going on while also being responsible to other things that we have committed to in our lives? Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, it's funny because right before this, this interview, I was just on a town hall uh, that Hello7 was producing, which um, the goal of it was to have, they had a number of different leaders, um, both in the entrepreneur space and then just um, black leaders in particular who are doing work around equity and inclusion in the workforce. And so the, the goal of this town hall, and you can, you can totally look it up on YouTube, was to have us look at, as business owners, as business leaders, what can we be doing and what do we need to be doing? Um, because there's such a need for a multi-pronged approach. And so Erica Hines was on really talking about how, um, 
let me see if I can remember her, her framework. She was talking about that the first step is awareness and a lot of us get really stuck in awareness, right? So we're sharing all this stuff on social media, which is great. And then the next step actually needs to be analysis that they're actually, we have to get ourselves into a space of analysis to understand that there are so many interconnected systems and issues that are at work here. And I think what I'm seeing and hearing in the conversations that I've been in and that you and I have also been in together over the last several weeks has been um, some people really can go there and, and, and have that broader analysis. And for others, uh, they really get stuck there. They're not able to actually have that, that greater analysis. And so if we have that greater analysis, then we really understand where we fit in it and what kinds of actions we can take rather than going straight from awareness to taking an action that we're actually looking at where can I have the biggest impact and what is my sphere of influence? Who are the people that I can really be influencing in my work? And so I think as business people as entrepreneurs, as people that are maybe influencers that might be listening to this podcast, all of us have that on, on some level. Um, one of the other things that was brought up was decolonizing your bookcase. You know, my bookcase is sitting behind me as we're talking. And, um, you know, I've made challenges to people in the past around, you know, hey, how many women, how many books written by women have you read this year? How many books written by people of color have you read this year? Um, I've made challenges to people, you know, especially some of my uh, friends. Uh, I, I would say many who are white men who appreciate literature, appreciate books, and read only white men. Uh, so I've, I've challenged them, like, what if you committed to a year of only reading books by women or books by people of color? What would that mean for you? And that's very hard for, for some people to commit to. But I think we do really get to think about all of those different layers of it, right? So there's the piece around educating myself and whose voices am I taking in? Who am I choosing to learn from? Um, and how do I really expand my point of view? Because our point of view is what it is in terms of where our, how we've grown up, the privileges we've had or the oppressions we've experienced and, it, and often some mishmash of both. And so a lot of times, you know, we're not seeing the whole picture. I mean, most of the time, we're not going to see the whole picture. We're all going to have blind spots. And so I think it really is about staying committed to figuring out, well, what are my blind spots? What are the things that would help me with those blind spots? And then in business, how do I want to use my influence? You know, and I'm looking at that right now. And I've done, I've done a lot in my business over the years. Yes, I run a sexual empowerment business, right? Education and coaching business. And these, these issues are interrelated. And so, I mean, I can look back at my blog. I mean, I've got so many articles from the last 10 years. I've written almost an article a week for 10 years um, on my website. So there's a ton of content. And every time some big thing was happening, when big elections were happening, when Me Too broke, when, you know, all of these things, this is all part and parcel of that. It's not separate. You know, if we think about what intersectional feminism is, 
you know, that is about not just looking at, oh, there are gender differences. That's looking at, well, what are the layers of gender and sexual orientation and race and class and disability? And like, there are many, it's size, right? Um, so there are many things that create different needs for different people. And if we're just looking at it through one lens, we're really missing the needs of, of everyone. And so that, I think, is the, the charge with intersectional feminism. And as an intersectional feminist and someone that speaks on feminism, I can always tie this into my message. And I still have people that will write sometimes when I, you know, I've written pieces about how integral white supremacy is to patriarchy and getting people to look at that. And I'll have people write in and be upset, you know, or like, why are you writing about this? Stick to sex, you know, or whatever, in the same way that people have said to basketball players and football players, you know, just play ball. We don't want to hear your politics. And we all get to be full-fledged 3D <laughs> human beings that can include things that matter to us in our business, I think, at all times. And my response to that is always, thank you very much. You're welcome to unsubscribe from my list. If you do not like, like, this is my world. I'm creating my world. You can be in it and open your mind to something new. And if it's not something that you want, you know, or you cannot open the emails. I mean, that's really up to you. I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm not going to pretend that business as usual when something like what happened to George Floyd happened. Like we all get to, to really stop and examine. And I think that that's what's exciting about right now. Like people are really, really doing that. It's really super, super heartening and exciting and hopeful that we can make some real change. Absolutely. I love what you said in there. There are so many, so many little nuggets that were popping. And for me, one of the things was the idea of feedback, you know, feedback is something that's super critical in any, any type of, uh, you know, movements, leadership type of space and how, you know, we're receiving things and information through the filter of our experience. And, you know, even, even feedback as a leader, somebody tells you you're not doing your job right. And it's like, you know, if you're not open to that, like you were saying, like the awareness is one thing, but then it's kind of like the analysis part. How are you like actually digesting and or moving, you know, into that next stage beyond it? And how, how often I found myself in the analysis paralysis, right? You know, if you want to look at it that way, where it, um, you know, if you can separate the person from the job, it makes it easier. It's like if you can take some of the charge or distracting factors out of things and actually get to the heart and the meat of what's going on, it can, it can be much more productive. And, and what I found, and I love that you said it, is that a lot of people are thinking that it has to be like an either or, like I have to be full blown in the activism or I, you know, or, and I sacrifice my job or vice versa. And like, you know, and, and how it is possible to have like the both and, right? and and just dis, dis, distill what really things mean for you like you said have a stand but also be willing to take in that new information as it's coming and and i feel like for myself i'll speak just for myself in a moment uh, for a moment is that the less open i am to the information or the feedback the the worse off it is for me in the end because I'm not actually mm -hmm. in movement, right? right? I'm not evolving. I'm like, kind of like, let's have more of the same. And, and it usually doesn't work out that well in the end. Yep. 
Yeah, and that is what we're in, right? We're in this massive moment of evolution. And, you know, this world gets to evolve. Like we get to evolve to a world where everybody has the same rights, where there is justice for everyone, where, where everyone can feel a sense of safety, relative safety in our world. Uh, you know, there are very, very real issues that are life and death issues that are on the line here. And I think that's, you know, what happened with George Floyd was so blatantly wrong and so hard to watch if you watched it. And I know that there's a lot of people of color that can't even watch that video and, and won't. And, and I don't blame anyone for that. And I don't think any of us should like rewatch it and, and be taking that in because there's also a toll, you know, like there's an impact of like having those images over and over again in our minds, you know? And so I think there's, there's a way that we get to decolonize our minds from the images that we've been fed our whole lives in our media. Uh, there's so many pieces to this and, and it's painful to wake up. Right. And so I think that is what we're seeing right now. There's a lot of pain. Um, there's pain in waking up. There's, there's pain in that evolution process, but it's such a necessary and important process that if you want to grow, hopefully you, you want to be a part of. And when we are looking back at our lives and, and seeing our own ignorance or seeing maybe the things we've done that might've caused harm to people without meaning to, it doesn't, you know, I don't think, I don't think the majority of people mean to hurt others around racism and yet it still happens a lot and it doesn't matter if we meant it or not. Um, if harm is done, we need to right that harm. We need to right the wrong that created that harm, or we need to examine those blind spots we had so that we, you know, that were why we didn't know saying a thing would hurt or doing a particular thing would hurt. And, and that's what this is about. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of really powerful uh, racial justice educators, and there's a lot of powerful racial equity work going on right now. And I do not think there's any more important issue in the United States and really in our world right now. Um, this has been a very long time coming and um, our entire history is marred with a, a very deep, deep racial wound, um, particularly with black and indigenous people. So we get to, we get to show up in a different way and in a much more humble way. And I think for those of us who are white um, or who, who might be people of color, but who also have a lot of white privilege, which is also a piece of this, um, we get to look at how to make more space for voices of people of color, how to take more of a back seat and not always be the ones out front. We get to amplify the voices that, that need amplifying right now. And, and I really think we get to be more humble about the things we don't know because we're all going to get it wrong somewhere. You know, people are really afraid to speak up. They're really afraid to get it wrong. And we all get to stumble and fall and get back up and try again. I mean, this is not easy stuff. This is, this is very complex. The, um, the interweb of factors that have gotten us to where we are today. And so that analysis is really important, but then there is action that we all get to take. We get to figure out what that is. Um, and then Erica Hines was also talking about then that final place is, is the accountability. Like what, what is our own accountability 
to doing it differently. So I think we get to really look at that as business owners. How are we accountable in our business and to our, you know, if we have employees to our employees, how are we accountable to our, you know, to our community? Um, and how do we get to really engage in real allyship? Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk around allies and that ally is not a noun. It's not like, it's not like an identity. We just get to say, I'm an ally. Yay. I'm a good person. I'm one of the good white people, you know, that it's, it's really, um, that that's very meaningless. I think to most people of color and black people in particular, like what really is meaningful is the action that you're taking. How are you showing up in allyship that it's a verb and that it's an ongoing verb. This isn't a thing that's like one and done or like, Oh, okay. After this thing with George Floyd blows over, um, everything will be great. No, like this is really the long game and it, and it really is shifting the very way that we do things on a much bigger level so that this that we rebuild systems that we you know and each of us has our maybe our own little interweb of small system in a small business or you know so the more of those littler systems that shift more that that and as we call on accountability to the larger systems to shift that is how we really really make a palpable change and I believe that that can happen and I believe it can happen in our lifetime. I believe that we are on the way there and um, it's not quick uh, and sometimes we're impatient and we want it to be tomorrow and it's not going to be like that. You know, these protests are going to go on for a long time because this is the long game. Yeah. I think that really underlines the idea of like commitment and responsibility that's required in uh, every, everybody's everyday lives and, and how often we are teased by headlines that are like, oh, here's the two-step two quick fix to yada yada and, and or the, the mindset of like, I'm just going to check all the boxes and I'm done. Like, I'm done. I did right. my part. And, yes. and this idea that you were saying about like the evolution, well, this is like the ongoing long game of evolution is that you're responsible for uh, how you're showing up. You know, most people aren't even willing to admit that the way that they're showing up is what's dictating how things are playing out in front of them that they might not like, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't get promoted. Well, you know, let's take, a, let's dial this back a second and kind of take a look at what's going on here and how often we are so quick to shove it off. Like, oh, somebody else should take care of that. You know, somebody else can take care of that. No, that's not my thing. No, well, it is your thing, you know, and being like responsible for who we are, how we're showing up. And like the impact that we're having, as opposed to, like you said, the intention could be good, but it's like the impact overall could be completely different from the intention, you mm -hmm. know? And, and I think that that's really an interesting space as well is, um, you know, I think a lot about my corporate background and they always had training, you know, diversity training, ethics training, uh, financial mm -hmm. crimes training, like all kinds of training, 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 but it only came like once a year and everybody was always like racing through to get through the videos. And there wasn't like a lot of, uh, uh, commitment to, to it beyond just what needed to be checked off by somebody else. And I feel, this is just my personal opinion, that a lot of what's going to be in this long game of, uh, racial, um, like leveling, so to speak, of like the pulling up the equality level for people of color and indigenous people as well. It, it's it's more about what are we doing every day when there's not somebody watching, mm -hmm. you know? Like I I I feel like the way that I show up when I think somebody's watching versus somebody's not watching. That could be a boss, it could be a friend, mm -hmm. it could be anybody watching. Mm -hmm. But when when you're actually alone, your thoughts matter, your actions matter. 
literally, physically, mm -hmm. at a quantum level. And mm -hmm. so that makes a huge impact if we can be committed to these kind of higher uh, and more equal ideals, uh, which are a totally attainable thing, but we have to be committed and responsible for who we are in that process. Yeah. Or get to yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so funny because earlier I was listening to Brene Brown um, interviewed uh, Channing Brown on her podcast and they were talking about that very thing that, that you, that any of us, right. Working to dismantle white supremacy and, uh, and to dismantle the racism that is both inside of us and in our culture, um, that it's about what are you doing when you're not talking to your black friend or when you're not, you know, um, you know, Channing Brown was speaking to that, that, you know, she doesn't have white friends who aren't doing that work all the time. Like they have, we have to be doing it all the time. We have to be, what, what books are you reading? What conversations are you having? What, you know, what racism are you interrupting? How are you doing that? How are you having conversations with your kids? How are you, how are you engaging people in your family? How are you doing your business? You know, all of those things count. And it, it's, it's really across the board because it's so, it's insidious. You know, it's, it is the, the water that we grow up in. If we are the fish, white supremacy and patriarchy is the water. <laughs> I mean, it's literally that pervasive. And it's so pervasive that we don't see it. Um, white people don't see it. Obviously, people of color see it. They experience it every day. And I think it's very easy for, um, for people who have a lot of white privilege to ignore and not see it at all. And so when we wake up to that and we start to see it, it's like, oh, how was I not seeing that before? <laughs> you know, and, that, and, it, and it's painful. And, you know, and so then when you think about um, people of color and in particular black people, especially and how they have been experiencing it their whole lives, you know, and the toll that that takes on someone. Um, you know, there's lots and lots of research that shows all of the many health issues that are caused by racism, um, that that everyday toll of being, you know, watched, of being surveilled, of being hunted, of being harmed, of not being listened to, of not being promoted. I mean, I can go on and on and on, right? All of those things that happen every single day um, of being suspect just because you're Black, right? Of, of being afraid to run into the cops because you don't know what could happen, right? That takes a toll. That takes a toll. And so that's, you know, I think it, it's a public health issue. It's, you know, it, it's an issue on so many levels. And, and so we get, to, we get to address it on all of those levels and it can feel overwhelming because of that. But we each have, we each have a, a space where we get to impact. And if all of us are doing the work to impact in our spaces, that's how we change this thing. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and we will, you know. Um, I do, you know, I've been a, a very long time activist. I have worked for racial justice for a long, long time, many decades now, um, really since Rodney King. That's, that was when I woke up. I was living in California at the time. I was in college when that happened. And that was very eye-opening for me. It was not eye-opening for Black people. Black people knew that that kind of stuff happened all the time. But for sheltered white folk like me, I had never seen a video like that. I could not believe that that was how this man was treated by cops. 
And, you know, that was before, you know, everybody had a cell phone in their pocket and we could just film everything. And so, you know, technology is really helping us with this because it has democratized um, us in this whole other way. And so we're seeing it in a way that we've never been able to see it before. Um, and, you know, there have been so many cases over the years. Um, I was living in New York when Amadou Diallo was shot 41 times by cops in his own building in New York. Uh, he had pulled out his wallet to give them his ID and they claimed that they thought it was a gun and, uh, and apparently needed to shoot him 41 times. So, uh, you know, that was a very big case. We were in the streets then, you know, we've been in the streets so many times and, you know, I think there can be a lot of cynicism and a lot of losing hope for some people of like, it's never going to change, but this feels very different. There are so many more people standing up right now and really calling the authorities to task. And, you know, they were just having hearings just today as we're recording um, with the Senate Judiciary Committee about policing, you know, and so we're looking for solutions and I don't know what that's going to look like, um, but what I do know is that the systems we have are not working, you know, um, and it just feels like more and more people are really seeing that. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can create more community solutions and, and more just solutions, you know, even just the fact that we, you know, we, we use discipline and punishment to handle so many issues. Yeah. that are not all discipline and punishment issues. You know, um, you know, I think of addiction. That's a really good example. Um, addicts get treated like they're total criminals and they go through the criminal justice system rather than going through rehabilitation, rather than getting the support and services that they need. You know, um, a lot of things around violence, interpersonal violence, domestic violence, um, I, I would say it's the same thing, you know, yes, sometimes things, you know, we do need that, that system on some level, but I think a lot of times we're not giving people the opportunities they need to heal. Yeah. And absolutely. so that's what I'm really hoping we get to see some solutions around where, where we stop putting everything in the realm of police and we actually start to bring in more community members with other kinds of skills that really are needed in so many situations. It's totally true. And, and that is something that I'm really a uh, staunch supporter of in, in this area, or area like the, of reforms that are being proposed is, is the systems that, that aren't as well equipped right now to handle things that really are not, like you said, punish and crime and like classified in areas where we need so much, uh, you know, a, authoritative supervision as opposed to a more holistic or integrated approach. But that also begs this question mm -hmm. of like, what happens with all the anger? You know, there's a lot of raised emotion and charge. And even if let's say somebody was released from prison today, uh, like they, they reduced uh, in all the states, you know, the petty crime type stuff and let people out. Well, what, what would happen to them? There's nothing there right now to support that. You know, that is a big piece of what needs to change yeah. because it is, really like just from my own experience of like my privileged life, you know, I, I had the means to go get therapy on my own and pay for it. And it was helpful, you know, not always, but I'd say like 80% of the time and half that's just right. about finding who works with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. and you think about all these systems and who's available. Like if somebody just doesn't have a choice or there isn't anything there, it's really hard to feel uh, that level of possibility that you can get past something. 
that there, mm. there is a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, that it's not just somebody coming and it's going to, you know, pardon my French, but beat the shit out of you or tell you that you can never be anything more than what you are in this exact moment. Cause that's just so it, it holds people so small. Yeah. Well, and also just the fact that voting rights are irrevocably taken away from anyone that has a criminal record. I mean, that's outrageous. It's outrageous. It's like if someone does their time for whatever the crime was, and and oftentimes they're not getting a fair, that's not even fair, but let's just say it was even, um, and you know, they've done their time they should, and they, they get out, they're a citizen again, a free citizen, they should get to vote. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it, it's a, another example of the way of the many ways that voter suppression happens, right? It, so it's like, let's, let's make all of these um, black and brown people criminals. Let's find reasons to arrest them. Sometimes there's legitimate reasons, but often there is not. And, you know, there's, there's been a, a real um, pipeline to prison for black and brown men, especially, and so then, then we can make sure that they don't ever get to vote again. I mean, that, that is by design, you know, and that's one of the things that a lot of people are, are saying, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about, well, our systems are really broken. And there's many people saying, oh, they're not broken. They're working exactly the way they have been designed to work. Um, you know, I think the, the film 13th is a very important film to see, which you and I recently watched. I've, uh, watched a couple times. There's so much to see, to, to take in in that film. Um, I think, you know, we need to be educating ourselves more about how these systems came to be. And, you know, and there really was this direct line from slavery to our prison system as we know it today. And when you really learn that history and see the way that that was done by design, um, then you understand why there's such outrageous numbers of people of color in prison and in particular black and brown men yeah. um that 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 is by design and so that gets to de- get dismantled and um we get to we get to create a better system you know we have more people in jail in the united states than any other country in the world i think i think the statistic is that 25 percent of incarcerated people are in the united states and i believe we are about five percent of the world's population so let's, you know, let's really take that in what that means. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super bummed because we are at time, but you know, as, as I'm sure the audience is hearing this, it is a, it is a really unprecedented time. And I just felt like Amy Jo had so much wisdom and having been in this space of uh, racial justice, social justice, uh, activism for the, the past two decades, that she really has a different viewpoint than some other people that might be kind of fresh to the game. And, and like she said, it is a, it is a long haul uh, commitment and a responsibility as a citizen that we have to protecting these, these justices and freedoms that we actually get them to be real for everybody and not just for some. And so I, I thank you so much for being here and really speaking very honestly and directly into these topics. And, you know, for those in the audience that might be interested in connecting with you, Amy Joe, like what is the best way to reach out or what are you up to these days? Yeah, I'm always up to a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it simpler, but it doesn't Person after my own way. heart. <laughs> 
my team is always like, what? We're doing what now? Wait, you know, but they've learned to say to, you know, I'm like, no, tell me when I, when I don't have my feet on the ground and we just need to be realistic. No, uh, you know, this issue is important to me. I will, you know, I, I'm actually looking at, at creating another series. I've done a series before, um, after the 2016 election, um, you know, I did, I did a series specifically for, for white women to unlearn racism and white supremacy. Um, I think I'm probably going to do one for all genders. And so that's going to be coming up. Um, and then, you know, I teach sexual empowerment programs and, you know, both virtually and in person. And, and it's really about helping women step into their full power. You know, it is about better sex and better relationships and deeper intimacy, but it's really about owning our full power. And what does that really mean? So my work is really holistic. Um, you know, just go to my website, amyjogoddard.com. There's lots of free resources there. There's, there's a confidence quiz to look at your, your confidence style and then what would help you to be more confident in the world. Um, that might be of interest to some folks, you know, there's lots of resources on sexuality and relationships. Um, and yeah, you know, that's the best place to follow me, but you can certainly find me on the socials on Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, I am sexual empowerment on, uh, on IG. So, um, and of course I have a YouTube channel, all the things. So okay. I'm easy to find. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again. I really, really do appreciate this conversation and, you know, definitely opening the door to many more that I would like to have on this podcast in, in the space of, you know, tackling these subjects that, that people may be having some hard times, like what do I do or how do I even approach this? So thank you for shedding light into this. It's a very valuable space. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate that you're talking about this and we all get to do that more and Absolutely. figure this out together. That's, the, you know, I believe we will make it. Yeah. So uh, thank you to all that were listening. Hope you enjoyed today's show and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to today's show, and I hope that you had a few aha moments or maybe even a breakthrough. The goal is to share that with somebody that you know and that you respect or that you care about. That's how we create the ripple effect of leadership in the world. The show notes contain the ways that you can connect with both myself and the guest. Don't hesitate. We absolutely love connecting with you. If you like what you heard, subscribe so that you don't miss out on any more amazing podcasts that I drop. I hope that you have an amazing kick-ass day and thanks for tuning in to Authentic AF with Aaron. See you next time.